Book Three, Chapters Seventeen to Twenty Two of History of Animals by Aristotle. Translated by Darcy Wentworth Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen. Again, fat and suet differ from one another. Suet is frangible in all directions and congeals if subjected to extreme cold, whereas fat can melt but cannot freeze or congeal, and soups made of the flesh of animals supplied with fat do not congeal or coagulate, as is found with horse flesh and pork. But soups made from the flesh of animals supplied with suet do coagulate as is seen with mutton and goat's flesh. Further, fat and suet differ as to their localities, for fat is found between the skin and flesh, but suet is found only at the limit of the fleshy parts. Also, in animals supplied with fat, the omentum, or caul, is supplied with fat, and it is supplied with suet in animals supplied with suet. Moreover, ambidental animals are supplied with fat, and non-ambidentals with suet. Of the viscera, the liver in some animals becomes fatty, as among fishes is the case with the salachia, by the melting of whose livers an oil is manufactured. These cartilaginous fish themselves have no free fat at all in connection with the flesh or with the stomach. The suet in fish is fatty and does not solidify or congeal. All animals are furnished with fat, either intermingled with their flesh or apart. Such as have no free or separate fat are less fat than others in stomach and omentum, as the eel for it has only a scanty supply of suet about the omentum. Most animals take on fat in the belly, especially such animals as are little in motion. The brains of animals supplied with fat are oily, as in the pig, of animals supplied with suet, parched and dry. But it is about the kidneys more than any other viscera that animals are inclined to take on fat, and the right kidney is always less supplied with fat than the left kidney. And be the two kidneys ever so fat, there is always a space devoid of fat in between the two. Animals supplied with suet are specially apt to have it about the kidneys, and especially the sheep for this animal is apt to die from its kidneys being entirely enveloped. Fat or suet about the kidney is superinduced by overfeeding, as is found at Leontini in Sicily, and consequently in this district they defer driving out sheep to pasture until the day is well on, with the view of limiting their food by curtailment of the hours of pasture. Chapter 18. The part around the pupil of the eye is fatty, in all animals, and this part resembles suet in all animals that possess such a part, 
and that are not furnished with hard eyes. Fat animals, whether male or female, are more or less unfitted for breeding purposes. Animals are disposed to take on fat more when old than when young, and especially when they have attained their full breadth and their full length, and are beginning to grow depthways. Chapter 19. And now to proceed to the consideration of the blood. In sanguineous animals, blood is the most universal and the most indispensable part, and it is not an acquired or adventitious part, but it is a consubstantial part of all animals that are not corrupt or moribund. All blood is contained in a vascular system, to wit, the veins, and is found nowhere else excepting in the heart. Blood is not sensitive to touch in any animal, any more than the excretions of the stomach, and the case is similar with the brain and the marrow. When flesh is lacerated, blood exudes, if the animal be alive, and unless the flesh be gangrened. Blood in a healthy condition is naturally sweet to the taste, and red in color. Blood that deteriorates from natural decay, or from disease, is more or less black. Blood, at its best, before it undergoes deterioration from either natural decay or from disease, is neither very thick nor very thin. In the living animal it is always liquid and warm, but on issuing from the body it coagulates in all cases except in the case of the deer, the roe, and the like animals. For, as a general rule, blood coagulates unless the fibers be extracted. Bull's blood is the quickest to coagulate. Animals that are internally and externally viviparous are more abundantly supplied with blood than the sanguineous ovipara. Animals that are in good condition, either from natural causes or from their health having been attended to, have the blood neither too abundant, as creatures just after drinking have the liquid inside them in abundance, nor again very scanty as is the case with animals when exceedingly fat. For animals in this condition have pure blood, but very little of it, and the fatter an animal gets, the less becomes its supply of blood. For whatsoever is fat is destitute of blood. A fat substance is incorruptible, but blood and all things containing it corrupt rapidly and this property characterizes especially all parts connected with the bones. Blood is finest and purest in man, and thickest and blackest in the bull and the ass, of all vivipara. In the lower and the higher parts of the body, blood is thicker and blacker than in the central parts. Blood beats or palpitates in the veins of all animals alike, all over their bodies, and blood is the only liquid that permeates the entire frames of living animals, without exception and at all times, as long as life lasts. Blood is developed, first of all, in the heart of animals, before the body is differentiated as a whole. If blood be removed, or if it escape in any considerable quantity, 
animals fall into a faint or swoon. If it be removed, or if it escape in an exceedingly large quantity, they die. If the blood get exceedingly liquid, animals fall sick, for the blood then turns into something like ichor, or a liquid so thin that it at times has been known to exude through the pores like sweat. In some cases blood, when issuing from the veins, does not coagulate at all, or only here and there. Whilst animals are sleeping, the blood is less abundantly supplied near the exterior surfaces, so that, if the sleeping creature be pricked with a pin, the blood does not issue as copiously as it would if the creature were awake. Blood is developed out of ichor by coction, and fat in like manner out of blood. If the blood get diseased, hemorrhoids may ensue in the nostril or at the anus, or the veins may become varicose. Blood, if it corrupt in the body, has a tendency to turn into pus, and pus may turn into a solid concretion. Blood in the female differs from that in the male, for supposing the male and female to be on a par as regards age and general health, the blood in the female is thicker and blacker than in the male, and with the female there is a comparative superabundance of it in the interior. Of all female animals, the female in man is the most richly supplied with blood, and of all female animals the menstruous discharges are the most copious in woman. The blood of these discharges under disease turns into flux. Apart from the menstrual discharges, the female in the human species is less subject to diseases of the blood than the male. Women are seldom afflicted with varicose veins, with hemorrhoids, or with bleeding at the nose, and, if any of these maladies supervene, the menses are imperfectly discharged. Blood differs in quantity and appearance according to age. In very young animals it resembles ichor, and is abundant. In the old it is thick and black and scarce, and in middle-aged animals its qualities are intermediate. In old animals the blood coagulates rapidly, even blood at the surface of the body but this is not the case with young animals. Ichor is, in fact, nothing else but unconcocted blood, either blood that has not yet been concocted or that has become fluid again. Chapter 20 We now proceed to discuss the properties of marrow, for this is one of the liquids found in certain sanguineous animals. All the natural liquids of the body are contained in vessels, as blood in veins, marrow in bones, and other moistures in membranous structures of the skin or gut. In young animals the marrow is exceedingly sanguineous, but as animals grow old it becomes fatty in animals supplied with fat, and suet-like in animals with suet. All bones, however, are not supplied with marrow, but only the hollow ones, and not all of these. For of the bones in the lion, some contain no marrow at all, and some are only scantily supplied therewith. And that accounts, as was previously observed, 
for the statement made by certain writers that the lion is marrowless. In the bones of pigs it is found in small quantities, and in the bones of certain animals of this species it is not found at all. These liquids, then, are nearly always congenital in animals, but milk and sperm come at a later time. Of these latter, that which, whensoever it is present, is secreted in all cases ready-made is the milk. Sperm, on the other hand, is not secreted out in all cases, but in some only, as in the case of what are designated thori in fishes. Whatever animals have milk, have it in their breasts. All animals have breasts that are internally and externally viviparous, as, for instance, all animals that have hair, as man and the horse, and the cetaceans, as the dolphin, the porpoise, and the whale. For these animals have breasts and are supplied with milk. Animals that are oviparous or only externally viviparous have neither breasts nor milk, as the fish and the bird. All milk is composed of a watery serum called whey, and a consistent substance called curd or cheese, and the thicker the milk, the more abundant the curd. The milk, then, of non-ambidentals coagulates, and that is why cheese is made of the milk of such animals under domestication. But the milk of ambidentals does not coagulate, nor their fat either, and the milk is thin and sweet. Now the camel's milk is the thinnest, and that of the human species next after it, and that of the ass next again. But cow's milk is the thickest. Milk does not coagulate under the influence of cold, but rather runs to whey. But under the influence of heat it coagulates and thickens. As a general rule, milk only comes to animals in pregnancy. When the animal is pregnant, milk is found but for a while it is unfit for use, and then, after an interval of usefulness, it becomes unfit for use again. In the case of female animals not pregnant, a small quantity of milk has been procured by the employment of special food, and cases have been actually known where women advanced in years on being submitted to the process of milking have produced milk and in some cases have produced it in sufficient quantities to enable them to suckle an infant. The people that live on and about Mount Etta take such she-goats as decline the male and rub their udders hard with nettles to cause an irritation amounting to pain. Hereupon they milk the animals, procuring at first a liquid resembling blood, then a liquid mixed with purulent matter and eventually milk, as freely as from females submitting to the male. As a general rule, milk is not found in the male of man, or of any other animal, though from time to time it has been found in a male. For instance, once in Lemnos a he-goat was milked by its dugs, for it has, by the way, two dugs close to the penis, and was milked to such effect that cheese was made of the produce, and the same phenomenon was repeated in a male of its own begetting. Such occurrences, however, are regarded as supernatural, and fraught with omen 
as to futurity. And, in point of fact, when the Lemnian owner of the animal inquired of the oracle, the god informed him that the portent foreshadowed the acquisition of a fortune. With some men, after puberty, milk can be produced by squeezing the breasts. Cases have been known where, on their being subjected to a prolonged milking process, a considerable quantity of milk has been adduced. In milk there is a fatty element which, in clotted milk, gets to resemble oil. Goat's milk is mixed with sheep's milk in Sicily, and wherever sheep's milk is abundant. The best milk for clotting is not only that where the cheese is most abundant, but that also where the cheese is driest. Now, some animals produce not only enough milk to rear their young, but a superfluous amount for general use, for cheese-making and for storage. This is especially the case with the sheep and the goat, and next in degree with the cow. Mare's milk, by the way, and milk of the she-ass are mixed in with Phrygian cheese and there is more cheese in cow's milk than in goat's milk, for graziers tell us that from nine gallons of goat's milk they can get nineteen cheeses of an obel apiece, and from the same amount of cow's milk thirty. Other animals give only enough of milk to rear their young withal, and no superfluous amount, and none fitted for cheese-making, as is the case with all animals that have more than two breasts or dungs. For with none of such animals is milk produced in superabundance or used for the manufacture of cheese. The juice of the fig and rennet are employed to curdle milk. The fig juice is first squeezed out into wool. The wool is then washed and rinsed, and the rinsing put into a little milk and if this be mixed with other milk, it curdles it. Rennet is a kind of milk, for it is found in the stomach of the animal while it is yet suckling. Chapter 21 Rennet, then, consists of milk with an admixture of fire, which comes from the natural heat of the animal, as the milk is concocted. All ruminating animals produce rennet, and of ambidentals the hair. Rennet improves in quality the longer it is kept, and cow's rennet, after being kept a good while, and also hare's rennet, is good for diarrhea, and the best of all rennet is that of the young deer. In milk-producing animals, the comparative amount of the yield varies with the size of the animal and the diversities of pasturage. For instance, there are in fasces, small cattle that in all cases give a copious supply of milk, and the large cows in Epirus yield each one daily some nine gallons of milk, and half of this from each pair of teats, and the milker has to stand erect, stooping forward a little, as otherwise, if he were seated, he would be unable to reach up to the teats. But, with the exception of the ass, all the quadrupeds in Epirus are of large size, and, relatively, the cattle and the dogs are the largest. Now, large animals require abundant pasture, and this country supplies just such pasturage, and also supplies diverse pasture grounds to suit the diverse seasons of the year. 
the cattle are particularly large, and likewise the sheep of the so-called Pyrrhic breed, the name being given in honour of King Pyrrhus. Some pasture quenches milk, as median grass or lucerne, and that especially in ruminants. Other feeding renders it copious, as citisus and vetch, only, by the way, citisus in flour is not recommended, as it has burning properties, and vetch is not good for pregnant kine, as it causes increased difficulty in parturition. However, beasts that have access to good feeding, as they are benefited thereby in regard to pregnancy, so also being well nourished, produce milk in plenty. Some of the leguminous plants bring milk in abundance, as, for instance, a large feed of beans with the ewe, the common she-goat, the cow, and the small she-goat, for this feeding makes them drop their udders, and, by the way, the pointing of the udder to the ground before parturition is a sign of there being plenty of milk a-coming. Milk remains for a long time in the female, if she be kept from the male and be properly fed, and of quadrupeds this is especially true of the ewe, for the ewe can be milked for eight months. As a general rule, ruminating animals give milk in abundance, and milk fitted for cheese manufacture. In the neighborhood of Torone, cows run dry for a few days before calving, and have milk all the rest of the time. In women, milk of a livid color is better than white for nursing purposes, and swarthy women give healthier milk than fair ones. Milk that is richest in cheese is the most nutritious, but milk with a scanty supply of cheese is the more wholesome for children. Chapter 22 all sanguineous animals eject sperm. As to what and how it contributes to generation, these questions will be discussed in another treatise. Taking the size of his body into account, man emits more sperm than any other animal. In hairy-coated animals the sperm is sticky, but in other animals it is not so. It is white in all cases, and Herodotus is under a misapprehension when he states that the Ethiopians eject black sperm. Sperm issues from the body white and consistent, if it be healthy, and after quitting the body becomes thin and black. In frosty weather it does not coagulate, but gets exceedingly thin and watery, both in color and consistency. But it coagulates and thickens under the influence of heat. If it be long in the womb before issuing out, it comes more than usually thick, and sometimes it comes out dry and compact. Sperm, capable of impregnating or of fructification, sinks in water. Sperm, incapable of producing that result, dissolves away. But there is no truth in what Tejas has written about the sperm of the elephant. End of chapter 22 and end of book 3